Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on any matchup. So right now, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in eligible states, but ages vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. What is going on, my people? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. That'd be me. That'd be the podcast. We just watched the Cowboys and Dakota Prescott and Mike McCarthy pull out a win against those pesky Seattle Seahawks who look pretty good on offense. Sets up for a massive, massive game in Dallas next week against the Philadelphia Eagles, which obviously have a massive, massive game on Sunday in Philly against the Niners. So we will talk about all that as well as some other stuff going on around the NFL. We had our first Monday night flex uh, week 15 in a couple weeks. Say goodbye to Belichick and McCorkle Jones, Bailey Zappi, and say hello to the Eagles and Seattle. 
So uh, we will discuss that as well as my bold take of the week as we do on every Thursday. And other than that, we will do, uh, we'll talk to my guy Stucky. So we'll talk about some of the games coming up on Saturday, some of the college football games, as well as we will fly through some uh, NFL games from a gambling standpoint, who we like. Not going to lie, I like the Niners. That's, I'm, I'm going to hammer them this week. And, and I, might, I might take Bama as well. I might take Bama as well. Might be a little precursor for my bold take. Other than that, no mailbag. I'll, I'll, I'll get to the mailbag, obviously, next week, and uh, we'll keep rocking and rolling. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We got a YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to that as well. All the three and out content is up. I wanted to tell you about my friends. And they happen to be my very, very good friends. They're my friends at game time. I need you to grab your smartphone, grab your iPad, and download an application. The game time app. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. Do you want to go to a game? Do you want to go to a concert? Do you want to enjoy yourself during the holidays? Do you want to get someone a pair of tickets as a present Maybe a girlfriend, maybe a brother, maybe a cousin, maybe a friend. You want to do something for someone else? It's giving season. Feel good about it. And save a little money? Buy yourself a pair of tickets. Football games, basketball games, hockey games, concerts, comedy shows. And use the promo code JOHN. Promo code JOHN. J-O-H-N. J-O-H-N. Promo code JOHN. Get $20 off. Thank me later. How about them Cowboys? I mean, this, this game... Looked a little bleak. Now, I started thinking, like, could it be a little bit of a look-ahead game? It's not your prototypical Thursday night game because both these two teams played on Thursday, so they're coming off full rest. It was hard to have many excuses, right? Primetime game, everyone watching. You're the Cowboys. At minimum, 20 million people. These guys know how many people are watching. It's at home. But let's face it, their defense was really bad. But before we dive into just the macro version of this Cowboys and where they can go... Like, can we stop arguing about Dak Prescott? Really? Like, I, I've said forever, I don't love paying him a premium. And now his $40 million doesn't look as bad in 2023 as it does in 2020. He's a good player. He's a really good player. You can win a ton of games with him. He is playing really good football. But I looked, because I remembered, they had the best offense in 2021. He threw 37 touchdowns. Like, Dak Prescott has had really good seasons. I'm no longer judging him on these games throwing these touchdown passes, making awesome plays. He's good. He's been good for a while. Like, he's going to be their starting quarterback moving forward for a long time further. He's going to be judged simply off playoff games. Like, Dak Prescott simply the argument, arguing over these games, I don't give a shit anymore. None of it matters. He's like an NBA player. I'm judging him off the playoff games. And honestly, the first round playoff game against Tampa, against Atlanta, when he throws three or four touchdowns, that won't matter to me either. He's going to be judged against the 49ers and the Eagles. Now, if you want to judge him next week against the Eagles, okay, that's a big game for him. But hell, I just saw him play awesome against them a couple weeks ago. It's going to be about the playoffs because I've watched him back-to-back years play poorly. If Dak Prescott is going to play like that in a playoff game, hell yeah, the Cowboys could win the NFC. Uh, You know, their defense needs to play better. But, like, that's a championship-level player. But he hasn't played like that like the guy we just witnessed, like the guy a couple weeks ago against the Eagles, like the guy we saw against Tampa, when it's mattered most. That's why the last two years when they've played the 49ers, they've got sent home. So it's kind of becoming, honestly, it's becoming a lot like basketball. The regular season's irrelevant. Now, luckily in football, for our jobs, for everyone listening, we love the regular season still. It's why football's king. Because the regular season still does matter. Obviously, these games matter to put yourself in position for seeding. And if you're the Cowboys... 
you're definitely rooting for the 49ers to take down the Eagles so you have a chance to get a little revenge game next week and have the same record as them. But, like, I'm sorry, these regular season games don't mean anything to me anymore. Like, I I, I know, I've seen him make these throws for fucking half a decade now. Like, it, it is what it is. He's simply like, is he going to be a legit player in January or is he not? And I'm not talking about throwing five touchdowns against Todd Bowles and the shitty Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not talking about, you know, beating the crap out of some 8-9 Desmond Ritter Atlanta Falcons team. And both those games are going to be on the road. I'm talking about beating the 49ers. I'm talking about beating the Philadelphia Eagles when it really matters. If he does that, then everyone's going to have to shut up. But, like, I completely understand everyone going, like, yeah, he's good. He puts up great stats. Like, hell, he's in the MVP conversation. Cool. Like, that's awesome. But this is a franchise now for almost two and a half decades has not been to the NFC Championship. They have not been to the NFC Championship. So that's all they're getting judged on now. We know they're good. Now, their defense tonight was pretty bad, right? Honestly, beside the bland interception, which, how about Deron Bland? Shout out to the Fresno State Bulldogs. Do you know that Deron Bland did not go to the Combine? What a great example. My favorite part about the NFL is it kind of represents society. You have people, first-round picks who become stars like Micah Parsons, and you have guys in the later rounds that don't even go to the Combine that become, you know, stalwarts, pillars of your organization. And the best part about football, when training camp starts, yeah, the first, second-rounders are going to get some more shots, but they'll get fucking passed quick. And the moment some backup starts making plays in games, your ass is Wally pipped, cut, sent to the practice squad, and that guy becomes a full-time starter. So shout out to him because he read that route, the slow motion view from behind on Bland. It's like he knew the play was coming and Gino threw it right to him. That What a season. You know, part of it when Diggs went down, it's like, where are they going to get the playmaking in their secondary? I don't know. Just a Fresno State Bulldog who's got about 50 picks this year. What a season by that guy. I mean, headed toward being a first team all pro. But listen, the Dallas Cowboys offense looks awesome right now. CeeDee Lamb, stud. Ferguson, baller. I mean, uh, what's his name's grandson, the former, uh, what's his name, Barry Alvarez's grandson, texting with a scouting buddy. He was like, I loved him. Obviously, a lot of people did. He went in the fourth round, but he, he's become a really good player. Cowboys offense is really, really good. It was in 2021, too. They hosted the 49ers in the first round playoff game, and they got sent packing. So it's like, we can talk about them. They're a huge brand. Like, there's substance behind them because they're good. They're an easy watch. Uh, Parsons is a stud. Do you trust the coach? Why, why were they throwing the night on third down at the end of the game when Seattle didn't have any timeouts? They, they just gave him an extra 40 seconds. I, I don't pretend to be Bill Walsh or Chuck Knoll here, but what the fuck are you doing, Mike? H- how are you, whether you're calling the play, Schottenheimer's calling the play, whoever, uh, ultimately it's your decision, H- how do you guys greenlight a play like that? One, it wasn't even close. Dak threw it to like the back corner of the end zone. CeeDee Lamb wasn't in 20 feet. How are you not just running the ball? Like there are times I'm all for this new age football, being progressive, being aggressive, fourth downs, keeping the foot to the pedal. On that play, like they're really going to go 80 yards? (laughs) I mean, they don't have any timeouts. Run the ball, take off 40 seconds, and they did not. And then for a split second, I'm like, is Mike really going to go for this on fourth and three? Now, he didn't. There was another time earlier in the game where 
they had to delay a game under five minutes. I was like, McCarthy just called the timeout. Now, I get it. Maybe he was thinking, hold on the timeouts in case they got into a weird spot. But I listen, I, I have more faith in Dak, even though I, I'm not going to pick them against the Eagles or the 49ers in a playoff game, especially if they are uh, the wildcard team and on the road. Even if they're at home, I, I'm not going to feel great. But I do have more faith in Dakota Prescott than I do the coach in these big spots because it's just... I don't know. There's a loosey-goosey nature to him. There is no debating. Everyone, I heard Coward talking about this. A lot of people have talking a lot of shit about McCarthy. I'm sure I'm guilty too. He's pretty damn good, right? Like Pete Carroll makes $15, $18 million, has a long resume of success since USC, obviously won a Super Bowl, has flipped this team to be very competitive without Russell Wilson. He's good too. Like those are two really good coaches. But... I have something about Mike that makes me a little nervous. Obviously, Mike's team is a lot better than Pete's in the sense of they're just going to go, like people, they have a chance to make noise in the playoffs. Pete's does not. We'll get into Seattle here in a second. But God, Mike's makes me nervous. He, he really does. Something about him. It's like, what, what are you doing here? And, and it feels like that a lot. now. And sometimes his defensive lineman, which, listen, it's not necessarily his baby, that's Dan Quinn's, but it is a reflection of the head coach. They can just be a little loosey-goosey. You know, penalties, it's just there it always feels like a split second away from getting an unsportsmanlike, jumping off sides. But hey, listen, you don't get style points in the NFL. You, you don't. So losing that game would have been a kick in the nads for the Dallas Cowboys. And they found a way to win it. In exciting fashion, as someone who just wanted to be entertained tonight. It sets up if the Eagles lose for a massive, massive game next week in Dallas. Now speaking of Seattle, they they pivoted really well. Right? They didn't want to be around Russell Wilson anymore. They despised him. They, they, they couldn't stand the guy. Really, period, point blank, end of story. The, all the articles that came out last year, how excited Pete was when he won the game, they did not like the guy. He drove them nuts. Egomaniac, wouldn't listen, not coachable. I mean, this, was, this is not my opinions. This was all coming out of there. And they pivoted really well. And they have a team right now that offensively has a ton of talent. I mean, DK Metcalf is like a poor man's Terrell Owens. That first touchdown, that looked exactly like T.O. in his prime. The other touchdown he had was just, I mean, honestly, I think they stole that play from the Cowboys a couple weeks ago in the Chargers, where the quarterback just keeps backpedaling, backpedaling. You run a crossing route that runs into the other guy, and the guy becomes wide open. I swear to God, Dak Prescott ran, if not that same play, something very similar against the Chargers. Geno Smith and DK hit it to perfection. But, like, that team is very, very equipped for a young quarterback. And honestly, like I listen, I've been saying it for a while. Gino can look really bad, and he has lately. Maybe he was banged up, but I, I think he's been up and down this season relative to last year. Tonight he was really good. And when he's really good, their offense looks fucking sweet. I mean, Jackson Smith, baller. Lockett had a bad drop, but Lockett could play for my team any day of the week. Obviously, DK is a is a premium talent. And, you know, Charbonnet, who got hurt in this game, is awesome. Been following that guy's career since he was at Michigan. Then he transferred to UCLA. And Kenneth Walker's been banged up when he's on the field. Like, they're offensive skill guys. And if their offensive linemen are healthy, and they, I'm sure they will be next year, like, he's really well equipped to be aggressive and go draft a quarterback. And I, I would keep an eye on this team, especially, like, I think Seattle's going to make the playoffs. Now, they still got some tough games ahead. They still play the 49ers again. They play the Eagles. Like, they're not a lock. They're lucky because the NFC, they might be able to make it at 9-8, and eight, maybe on some years. Definitely in the AFC, 9-8 and is not making the playoffs. But they definitely are equipped. I mean, they're going to be in position where 
if they can find their right guy, you know, even if he's not kind of like Russell Wilson was early on in his career, the Russell Wilson when they drafted was not the guy that he became, you know, post LOB. He remember the arguments were like, is this guy even any good? Like, what's this guy even doing? If you can just find somewhat of that version to kind of build around, you, you might have a better chance and a better ceiling because for as good as Geno was tonight, like I, I'm just, I'm obviously no chance I'm picking them in a playoff game, but it is impressive just to be in the mix and what they've done to build the squad. But to me, they feel like a quarterback away from really making hay. And they know that. I mean, they sniffed around years ago on Josh Allen. Uh, I'm, I'm sure last year they were entertaining the Anthony Richardson. Now, they, they probably don't feel bad about not doing that given that he was injured. But, I mean, I think this year it's going to be a little harder because they're going to have to come up. But you're going to eventually have to swing for the fences. And they've proven that, as you saw John Schneider today, who was wearing a short sleeve button-up. He, or, you know, with about five minutes left in the game, you could see him running with his sports coat behind Pete, screaming at the referee. A couple minutes later, you could tell he's so hot. He's got, you know, the $1,000 sports coat off. He's got a short sleeve button up like some, someone would wear in like the 70s. Love that guy. I, I would expect them to get really, really aggressive this offseason because they, they do have some nice pieces. They really do. Some nice young DBs. But definitely offensively, they got guys everywhere. So that, that was a fun game. All, all I can ask for is a fun game on Thursday night. And luckily, because both these teams will, will, were well-rested, that it was uh, well-played would be strong. I mean, there were a lot of penalties. But just, it was very fast. There was just a lot of speed. The guys didn't look tired. I, I really enjoyed it. So, big win for the Cowboys. And, you know, Seattle's leaking a little oil now. Let's get into the big game of the weekend. Listen, my take on this is simple. I, I like the Niners, and I like them pretty big. And that's not because I don't think the Eagles are good. Or that's not because I think, like, the Eagles are this year's Minnesota Vikings. I have a ton of respect for the Eagles. And what they've done the last two weeks is... is Fucking awesome. Like, if I'm an Eagles fan, the last two weeks have been probably one of the better six-day stretches, non-playoffs of, like, the last couple decades. Like, what a badass couple wins. Gotta be exhausted. I mean, have to just be spent. I heard Sirianni yesterday. They had to go walk through. I mean, they got multiple players. One of their safeties, what's his name, Reed something, the white dude, played every snap. And he's like, yeah, I'll do whatever I got to do. I'm ready to do it more. I mean, they have some D linemen playing 70, 80 snaps. Uh, obviously, some of the guys are banged up. You know, Lane Johnson will see his status. You just got to be tired. You know, you just got to be exhausted. And the Niners get the benefit. They played last Thursday night in a game beside one quarter was pretty easy on them. That wasn't exactly one of those games where you leave like, God, that was a knockdown drag out. That's going to be one where you sit in the cold tub for a couple weeks. That was like, oh. We're going to dinner tonight. <laughs> Let's go enjoy ourselves. So it's just simply based on, like, the Niners have way more rest. They are healthy. The Eagles are not. And they got to be fucking exhausted. And let's face it, once they beat the Bills, this game isn't as important to them. This game's very, very important to Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I, I, I think this is a massive game for Kyle Shanahan, a massive game for Brock Purdy, especially if it's sprinkling to prove that he can, you know, somewhat play in the elements, even if it's not 20 degrees. But they're, they're just... Everything sets up for them right now. I saw Kyle, you know, kind of push back. Like, he was very surprised that they were the favorites. They're the favorites for a reason. Like, one team's healthy, one team's not. One team has a lot of rest, the other team doesn't. And they're viewed as very similar teams in terms of high-end starting players, right? They're, they're clearly, you could argue, the two best teams in the league. 
So big moment for the Niners. And honestly, I, I won't think anything else going into the playoffs. Like if the Niners win this game by two touchdowns, I, it won't make me view that game any differently when they play in the playoffs. I'll go, that's probably more of a pick em. That's probably more, this game could go any other way, especially if it's in Philly. This is just a very unique circumstance. Think about times when, you know, you have a couple long weeks of work, right? And you're just exhausted. You also have a couple social obligations. Maybe you got some family stuff, taking your kids around, doing something with your wife. And then you just hit a day. You're like, I, I, I just hit a wall. I, I, I need a day of sleep. How do the Eagles not feel like that right now? I mean, I, I can't even imagine being some of their players. Hell, some of their coaches. I mean, Sirianni was telling uh, – who they where they play last week, Bill? So they were telling uh, it would have been Romo and Nance. I mean, the guy's sleeping in the office. I, I saw a picture of him the other day. He looks exhausted. So you you just like every once in a while, we're all humans. Their football team full of humans. You just you kind of run out of gas, and then you kind of recharge and you get ready for next week. Which let's face it, is the division. If the Eagles were to win that game, even if they lose it, they'll be fine. The Niners still have to play the Ravens. It's not like the Niners would have the number one seed with a win. This game just means dramatically more to the Niners. I Honestly, I don't think it matters that much to the Eagles. Not it doesn't matter to their players, but I just mean in the grand scheme of things, like if they lose it, so what? Very understandable. Let's fly around. Speaking of the Eagles, uh, for the first time, Monday Night Football flexed a game. And I have no problem with it. I, I saw some people... You know, it's uh, it was Kansas City against the Patriots, and they flexed that game out, put it on Sunday, and they moved the Eagles-Seattle game from Sunday to Monday night. Of course they did. You cannot, if you have the option, put the Patriots in front of the country. Can't do it. I mean, they are too boring. They are too difficult of a watch. Even Patriot fans would tell you. It's awful. Even the everyone that's listening right now that hates that fan that hit us up in the mailbag that said he's a lifelong Patriot fan that he's thinking about changing teams because it's gotten so ugly. It's like, yeah, we're all old enough to remember how good it looked. This team is unwatchable. Like it's just it's not even debatable. It's, it's the the Giants with Tommy DeVito is dramatically a better watch than Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi and the demise of Belichick. It's not fun to watch. No one wants to consume that. So, yeah, does it suck if you bought tickets and hotel rooms, you got to change it around, plane tickets? Totally. I I get it. I got news for you. The NFL is not, like, their business model is not dependent on you sitting in a seat. It's just not. And and I've gone to NFL games for a decade. And I would say a decade ago, it was definitely more important. But in 2023, just like moving forward, Your value as an in-season ticket holder, right? Someone that goes to games, your value to the league is less than mine and everyone listening to this that sits on their couch and watches games. We're more valuable than the guy paying for a ticket. It's just a fact. So when I see people online bitching and moaning, they don't care about the person at the game. No, they don't really. Because the thing that pays the bills in this business is the television product. And we just saw Seattle tonight. Easy watch. Fun watch. <laughs> Enjoyable team. Obviously, the Eagles, one of the best teams in the last couple of years. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You can't throw Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, and Belichick right now in front of the consumer. It's not fair to us. The other thing is, as you're seeing some of these television ratings, once college football kind of ends, the NFL takes over December. 
They've taken over Christmas. They, they said, Adam Silver, we're going to run you over. You're irrelevant. In a couple weeks, there are three games on Saturday. The month of December is massive for the National Football League. They want to dominate. <laughs> they're like a boa constrictor right now, and they're just squeezing everyone out that's in their way. And that's what these games give them opportunity to do. Tonight, who are they up against? What else is going on? <laughs> they have no competition. Just like that Monday night game in a couple weeks. They're not competing. There's no games that matter that they're playing against. So, I, I listen, I, I feel for the people involved, right? If it's a fan, if it's, you know, a, a coach that this throws everything off. Hell, to me, if you're the Chiefs, I was looking at their schedule, this is a pretty big win. Like, you don't want to play on Monday night. This is a huge advantage for the Chiefs. If you would have asked Andy Reid, do you want to change? He would say, hell yeah. Because, I, you know, it's, it's actually during a pretty easy stretch of their season. He'd rather just play Sunday, 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 Sunday. He doesn't want to play Monday, short week. So if you're the Chiefs, big win. Eagles, not ideal. Uh, just given that, like, you would rather just get in a, a rhythm of not playing Monday night games in December. Like, I, I think if you pulled the league, they would like to avoid it. It's one thing earlier in the season to get up for. What you get, you know, in December headed toward the playoffs, Sunday, Sunday, seven days rest, you know, consistency of your schedule. So big break for the Chiefs to just avoid. It's in New England. I mean, shit, let's just let's just beg that bad boy out, 1 o'clock Eastern, get home. One thing that just won't die, I have read so many articles about Vrabel and everything that's going on with Tennessee and just we've been talking about it for a while. One thing I've seen, and listen, I understand it because this program – when you have the amount, like the reason Texas A&M can go, we're going to call Dan Campbell. Because when they call him, they go, Dan, we'll give you $100 million, right? You, you can't just say if you're a program, I'll call an NFL coach if you don't have the checkbook to write him something to make him listen. Now, I know Dan, you know, claims he didn't listen, but like you pick up the phone because it's so much money, even if you want no part of it. Ohio State could do the same thing. Like, hey, Mike, you want seven years, $100 million? Like, you name, we'll give you a blank check. But here's the thing, and I said this about Dan Campbell, and I'll say it for Mike Vrabel, because I, until this story kind of dies with Vrabel, if Mike Vrabel does somehow go their separate ways from Tennessee, I think every single job opening in the pros would be lined up to hire. I think teams would even think about firing their coach. Like, if, if the Patriots were like, yeah, I'll just roll Belichick back one year, they'd fire him immediately. Washington be all over, Tepper be all over, the Chargers be all over. Like, you want no part of recruiting. I mean, seeing everything that's going on with the transfer portal, NIL, can you imagine what a pain in the ass that is? At least with the NFL, March 15th, free agency starts. If you got cap room, you can sign guys. If you don't, you can't. Then the draft, like, where are your picks? I mean, it's, just, it's very black and white what you can do. You, you could quote-unquote tamper behind the scenes and see what you get guys for, but it's like, you either have the money or you don't under the cap space. You actually have the money, but if you have the ability to allocate it towards certain guys or not. Like in college, like, can we get a booster to cut us this check? Can we figure out how to get this guy? Can we force this guy out? We got to keep this guy happy. I would want no part of that. The NFL, while dramatically more difficult because of the quality of talent spread around the league, it's a much easier job of just coaching your players, not having to worry about a lot of stuff that's out of your control. Uh, so if if Mike Vrabel does become available, I can see under unless I'm I'm wrong under no circumstances him going to Ohio State. And he'd be crazy too. Like pick your 
pick your job in the NFL. Hell, even if you want to sit out a year, you'd be the number one candidate for the next several years. You know, there was a story today, arrest warrant for Vaughn Miller for domestic violence uh, under his girlfriend in Dallas or Texas area. I don't, I think it's Dallas that she's pregnant, claimed he hit her. Then I just saw during the game, she claimed, you know, he didn't, he didn't touch her. I always say during these things, absolutely nobody knows except these two people. And uh, my my simple take on this is the Von Miller signing for the Bills has been an utter disaster. He got injured last year. He tore his ACL. He came back this year. He's a shell of himself. And I, I got no clue what happened. But when you're a Hall of Fame level player, team captain, team leader, you can't be during the bye week having an arrest warrant put out for you. Like it just it just can't happen. You know. And I understand some things in life are out of your control if you didn't do anything. But, like, it just, it just can't happen. Like, it, it's embarrassing for yourself, for the team. So, overall, this signing has just been an utter train wreck for the Bills. And let's face it, when you pay your quarterback a lot of money and you've invested a lot of money into, you know, digs and all these draft picks into the defense and you spend a lot of guaranteed money on Vaughn Miller and it doesn't work, it's a problem, right? When, when you only get so many bites at the apple once you pay the quarterback, you, you got to make it. You got to make a count. You really do, right? Like when the Chiefs paid Mahomes, like they have to, like Kelsey's got to be good. Chris Jones got to be good. When they make the trade for Tyreek, they got to hit on those picks, and they did. That's why they've stayed being good. But if they hadn't, like if Chris Jones had just become a scrub, they'd be fucked. You know, the, the, those type things. Like when you allocate your resources, when you have a highly paid quarterback, you got to make a count. You, you really do, and that that signing for a lot of different, you know, reasons has just been an utter disaster. Houston Denver. I mean, who would have thought that this game would have mattered as much as it does? And listen, we're going to learn a lot about Denver this weekend, but I think Houston whether you make the playoffs, whether you end up missing it by a couple games regardless, I'd be pretty excited. You know, for a team that went through everything with Deshaun Watson, which was just an embarrassment. I mean, the time when he was like coming to practice, not playing, all the chicks suing him, him just kind of like acting weird, firing the coaches. It, it was, it was Cleveland Brown, Oakland Raider. I, I mean, just low level shit going on. But within the snap of a finger, to get D'Amico Ryan, to get C.J. Stroud, to get Tank Dell. Will Anderson, to get some core pieces on your team. You got Tunzel. You got picks next year. You're going to have cap space because you have a cheap quarterback. Uh, you got to feel really, really good about yourself. You got to feel really, really good about the team. You know, this is this is just one of those times that sometimes you got to go like Andy Dufresne through all the shit to get to the other side. Now, when you're going through the shit, it sucks, right? I mean, I... I was around the Raiders for a long time. It just felt like they just never got out of the tunnel, right? Just never ended, right? If you're a Panther fan, you're like, God, is this ever going to end? When are times ever going to get any better, right? When things are going good, you never think they're going to stop, right? If you're a Kansas City Chief fan right now, you're like, fuck, football's pretty easy, right? If you're if you're a Patriot fan for 20 years, you're like, ah, oh, life's pretty good. Not bad, you know? If you're a Bulls fan in the 90s, you're like, ah, oh, it's pretty good life. And then all of a sudden, MJ retires, you're like, God, this sucks, so in sports, it's so dependent on high-level building block players. And when you got them, you know, you, you got to not take them for granted, enjoy it, and there's nothing better than having young ones. There isn't where you go, God, this could last a long time. 
And that that's what I would be saying, especially because part of your quarterback discussion is always going to be tied to the guy that went above him who just looks pretty terrible. Now, is it all his fault? We can argue till we're blue in the face. He looks tiny. I mean, he, he looks minuscule. He looks like me out there. It's the National Football League. You got a guy who not only looks the part, plays the part. So there can't be a better feeling in football than getting a star quarterback when you know the team above you in the draft took another guy. And when you also know that your team liked that other guy too. Like, we would have taken that guy, but who cares? None of it matters, right? It's like, you know, hell, I would have dated her if she would have gone out with me. And then you see her on Instagram, you're like, God, she's kind of ballooned. Thank God I didn't go after her. Right, and that's, you know, right now if you're a Houston Texans fan, you got to feel really, really good about yourself. The Sunday night game is really fantastic because the Packers, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Gudikins went on record. The last 10 games for Jordan Love were going to define his ability. I, I never understand, like, Middlecoff, you said Jordan Love sucked. We did. We all watched it. You guys agreed. If you're a Packer fan, you were talking shit too. We were watching him play. He was awful. Now, yeah, he hadn't really played, so it's just basing it off the games he's going off. It's not like Aaron Rodgers has a bad game, Mahomes has a bad game, Josh Allen has a bad game. You don't write the guy's career off. You go, ah, you had a bad game. Great player, he'll be fine. But when you haven't played, and then you do play, and you don't look good, what are you supposed to be like? Everyone, take a deep breath. He's only been in the league four years. Everything's going to be okay. No, people were nervous. I completely understood it. Hell, I thought he was bad. These last two games look really good. Well, now they're playing a really good defense with everyone watching at home. The game's going to feel pretty big. I saw Mahomes say, first time in his career going to Lambeau. It's going to be a cool game. It's going to be one of those games that pops on television. I'm fired up for it. I, I, I really am. Uh, and I'm really excited to watch Jordan Love. You know, like, it was the last couple of weeks more of a product of the opponents? Or is this guy just going to be a solid quarterback? Like, is their offense actually pretty good? And on the flip side, I told Colin... And I stand by what I said. That, and let me let me just state this: I, I love greatness. I say it all the time with sports. Like I, I watched Tiger Woods today, who's no longer great, and his whole body's fused. But I loved him for a reason. He was the best player to ever seen in sports, beside Michael Jordan. He fucking eviscerated everyone he played. I watch sports for Tiger Woods, for Michael Jordan, for Tom Brady. Maybe you watch for the little overachievers, for like the undrafted free agent that plays on special teams. That bores me. I come tonight for Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons, DK Metcalf. Give me the blue chippers. That's why pro sports exists. Because of the freaks who are the best. Right? I watched the Barry Sanders documentary the other night. It's like, God damn, that guy was good. What Awesome documentary, by the way. Highly recommend it. It was just remarkable. It was stupid how good Barry Sanders was. Played 10 years. Every year, pro bowler slash all pro. Every year. And he's just like, I'm out. But, like, Travis Kelsey is one, and honestly, the Chiefs operation, right? Mahomes, when Tyreek was there, Travis, Chris Jones, these are elite champions in the sport of football. And Travis specifically is one of the most unique tight ends we've ever seen, right? Definitely one of the most athletic, and you could argue when it's all said and done, the most accomplished. I I, I admire everything he stands for as a player. His work ethic, his drive, his desire, his competitiveness, Knowing guys there, I mean, should I text Andy? These guys love him. It, like his his energy, everything. People get old. Like Michael Jordan in, in 1998 wasn't the same as Michael Jordan in 1993. He wasn't as good. He was still a championship level player, but he was no longer at the same level that he once was. 
And when uh, these people in, in Chiefs land, like I'm not some Chiefs hater. I, I, I'm my favorite AFC team. But he's not the same. And as I told Coward, I, 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 whenever I see the, it's like, well, he's flying to Argentina and he's hanging out with Swifties and he's, you know, trying to get laid on the bus. And it's like, it has nothing to do with that. NFL players are doing who knows what at night. You'd be stunned. He can handle that. But as a football player, you get to a certain age. You're just not the same. And you never know when it's going to come. Sometimes it comes for running backs at 29. Sometimes it comes for guys at 37. I don't know. That doesn't mean you can't still be a productive, good player. Like Travis Kelsey's still really good. I'd want him on my team. I just don't think he's the same like elite player that he once was. He was once an A+. Maybe now, you know, in given games, he can be a B plus. Some games, he's a B, B minus. Still good relative to the rest of the league. Better than 90% of them. But do I watch him and think that's the same guy that he once was? I do not. Does that mean I'm being a hater? No. Like, I, I really like the play. I, I support him, like, in the sense of it's, it has nothing to do with anything off the field. It just strictly has to do with you get old. He's in his mid-30s. He's been injured now multiple times this season. He's... You know, you just, it's harder. Your margin for error gets slimmer. And that's, you know, a big picture problem for the Chiefs. Maybe they can handle it this year. Maybe he's got enough in the tank for this year. But if you just think, like, Travis is going to be the same for the next couple of years, I'm a big fan. I like the guy. I met him this year at TPC. We were playing golf. Well, he was hitting balls. I was just kind of drinking, screwing around. Couldn't be any cooler. People love the guy. But, like, it's just as a player, it's hard to maintain that level when you're an all-time great. You like, usually don't just say an all-time great if you're a position player for like 15 straight years. This is not the way it works, especially as you get older and get kind of banged up. So, uh, yeah, stand by what I said. You know, I, I've been pretty good on my bull takes lately. I'm not going to lie. I, I was thinking this week, do I go Packers upset? I was like, I don't even believe that. You know, it's hard to pick one of these games, Houston, Denver, Niners. Like, none of those games would be a bull take if you pick one of those teams to win. So I, I'm going to stick with Saturday. I'm not going to pick Iowa to defeat Michigan. I, I'm not going to pick Oklahoma State to pick uh, to take down Texas. But I think most people, conventional wisdom, and everyone's going to be hammering the University of Georgia. They haven't lost a game, and honestly, since Alabama beat them two years ago in the SEC championship game. It's the only game they've lost over the last three years. They've won back-to-back national championships. Kirby Smart is like the new Nick Saban. But Nick Saban, Kirby Smart has more national championships than he does wins over Nick Saban. And Nick Saban's dominance, I saw Aaron Murray throw this out on, uh, I think he threw it out on TikTok, but he posted it on Instagram. His stats in the SEC championship game are pretty eye-opening. Newsflash, he dominates this game when he gets there. So, I listen, last week, crazy win. It, it's a rivalry game. Shit gets weird. Auburn had just lost to New Mexico State. When you have a... I saw so many people that covered the SEC like, this isn't good for Alabama. They're going to they're gonna be way more focused. They clearly were... Hell, they, they should have won the game. The Alabama got very lucky. I think you get a much, much better version of Alabama. This is, to me... Obviously, the Pac-12 championship game matters a lot, though that game's dead after this year. It will never exist. Right? Both those two teams are going to the Big Ten. This is the game that, to me, because all these other matchups consistently suck, that feels like it really, really matters to the conference, to the players, to the coaches. It's like 
it's like a pseudo playoff game. It's a pseudo Super Bowl. It just it feels it, the spread is the smallest of all the other games. Uh, I'm taking Nick Saban. I'm taking Alabama. Now I'm also the same guy that picked them to lose earlier this season. I thought the dynasty was gonna gonna get derailed. It didn't. He's a goat for a reason. See, he owns a Ferrari dealership now, worth hundreds of millions of dollars off the field. Don't sleep on Nick, the businessman, but you definitely can't ever question his ability to coach his football team. And the reality is, like, no one wins three straight national championships. That's not the way it works. Eventually, Georgia's just like, I, I, I definitely, even if they won this game, would not pick him to win the Natty. But uh, I think Alabama upsets them, and then I think it sets off like a domino effect of things getting really weird, right? Because then Georgia would have an argument. Does Florida State win? What do they do with the – I don't know. But I think Alabama wins this game in in, uh, in Atlanta. That's my bold take of the week. Brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends. Raise your glasses. And toast to a win, Alabama fans. Guinness, draft stout. Imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Please drink responsibly. I bet a lot of people listening or watching have been in an accident. I bet a lot of people have been into an intense car accident. And let's face it, not knowing who to call for help is hard. Hiring Morgan & Morgan is easy. Because Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury law firm with over 100 offices nationwide with more than 800 lawyers. They've recovered over $15 billion for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. They've been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. That's the key. Not having representation is hard. Fighting with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you've ever been injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to ForThePeople.com slash John or dial pound law, pound 529, from your cell phone. That's F-O-R-ThePeople.com slash J-O-H-N or pound law, pound 529, from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, back at it again. If you're watching this, I got my guy Stucky from the Action Network. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's up and running. We do a little gambling content here every single week with, you know, one of the best in the business. You can find him on the Action Network. You can find him on uh, Big Bets on Campus. Go subscribe to that as well. And just firing off tweets left and right when games are rolling. Stucky, let's do a quick look back to last week. Starting on Saturday, you know, I I had Ohio State and the points, even though I I don't even like Ryan Day. It's just like, that was a lot of points. It was close. I I thought actually Ohio State, and you've been saying this for a while, their defense is clearly a lot better than it's been. They they definitely didn't get housed, but Michigan covered on that one. But the the big game of the day uh, came on Sunday. Bills, Eagles, you've been all over, you know, statistically. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we're recording this before the Cowboy game. Their point differential is 100 points difference than the Cowboys. That's pretty wild, right? And uh, the Bills had them, didn't just have them on the ropes. I mean, we're kicking their ass. But they find a way to fucking win. Now, the Bills covered, but holy moly, this Eagles team. I mean, are, are they going to go 15-2 and two with a point differential of 50? Uh, yeah, things keep <laughs> progressing the way that they do. Um, luckily, the Bills won the toss. I mean, but they, they the Eagles have had something. Well, we'll talk about them in a second. But they've had something just every week. There's a bunch of things that just break their way to get these wins. And you got to give them credit for, you know, they deserve some credit for pulling them out. But last week it was the officials. I mean, some of the missed PI calls. Uh, there was 10 penalties on the Bills in the first half. Eight in the first quarter. Most of any quarter in the league this year. And then the Eagles didn't get their second penalty until a minute to go in the game. Um, then, you know, then obviously the Bills missed two field goals. The Eagles at a 60 yarder. But luckily, and I was on my knees almost just saying, please win the toss. And Buffalo luckily did. Otherwise, they probably would have lost by six. How about the drive really quick at the end of regulation? Sean McDermott playing this like prevent defense, just giving up easy yards and letting him just, I mean, he gave him 30 yards. They didn't even have to break a sweat. It's like, why don't you just play normal? It's raining. The chances of them hitting some crazy big play is difficult. I, I don't understand. I understand prevent defense if you're up, you know, they need to score a touchdown, right, to tie. Yeah. But to go in that position to just play way off and give up easy yards, you're one broken tackle or a, or a juke away from giving up a 25-yard play that way. I just, I, I fucking despise that. 
awful. Yeah. And then they he wasted a timeout to, you know, to ice the kicker. I, I think in that situation, you give the kicker more time with like conditions and to figure out how they want to kick it and like get comfortable in the spot. I think it's bad. And then because of that, you only have one timeout left. You get the ball back with 25 seconds left. You have a kicker with a big leg, and then you take a knee. And this game was for your season, and you just saw and a playmaking prior, quarterback with a big arm. Yeah, two years prior, you kicked off, tied, and the Chiefs scored. You know, went down the field in 13 seconds and kicked the field goal. And um, you're leaving so much up to a coin toss. You, your season went down to coin toss. I mean, apparently you didn't learn anything. So. Yeah, that was a wild game. Fortunately, Buffalo held on for the cover. Uh, I, I don't. Your Ohio State bet. I think it was actually the right side. I mean, if you go back and look, McCord ultimately just wasn't the guy. Um, yeah. He wasn't going to win a national title um, with the way that he was playing. But if you go back to that game, questionable touchdown call, which I actually thought was really an interception. Michigan three for three on fourth down, uh, and Ohio State. You know, they get they McCord gifted them a touchdown with an interception, but. You know, they still had a chance to win the game at the end, so I don't think that was a terrible bet. JJ was better than I thought. I mean, he he played better in that game than he had to me, like the way he had looked previously. Yeah, yeah. I think that they were. He might have been dealing with a little something, and I think they were probably just playing everything close to the vest over the past over the two previous weeks. But speaking of looking back at last weekend, how did I was giving you some shit on Twitter? How did your uh, Traeger turkey turn out? Not bad. Now, yeah. my bro- my brother, who is a uh, Traeger master, I-, I would say, you know, it wasn't a solo mission. He, no. uh, by the time we threw that thing in at about 1230, brined it for 24 that's, hours. That's okay. You got to brine. So brined, brined it, brought it out, you know, about, about noon on Turkey Day. J- ton of butter inside. You know, you had it spadgecocked so you could kind of break it down. Butter all over the place, injecting it with butter. Did some seasoning on the outside. And it took about three hours. You know, I, I got this uh, $1,500 Traeger barbecue. The problem is, it's not really, it's a smoker. I tried to barbecue some fillets on it. It's it's a little weird. Like, it, it's obviously made for specific things, but the yeah. turkey is sweet. I, I think I'm going to have to, you know, the ribs, the tri-tips, uh, some of the, the pork, uh, some brisket, you know, things like that. I, I'm going to, I'm just going to have to learn on the fly. I've never been a smoker, but n- now maybe I am. Yeah, we used to do it. We used to- uh very moist uh, what's that very moist meat you know yes yeah it's, it's, you, once you get it right i mean oh. it's amazing and uh yeah i guess out your way you gotta get you gotta get it down for some money uh tri-tip sandwiches exactly okay let's uh let's hit on a couple games saturday obviously michigan's an enormous favorite over iowa uh bama while they were already in this game let's face it they got pretty lucky I mean, a great throw, great play, but to win a game like that, I mean, holy, maybe it was a football gods throwing Saban a bone back for the kick six way back in the day. But now, a little like, wouldn't you say, a divisional game where if you have like a 10-win team playing like a three-win team in late November, early December, sometimes some of these games are going to be tight. That game, Auburn had just lost to New Mexico State, which was probably the worst thing that ever happened to Bama because that's going to wake them up. It's in Auburn. The place was going bananas. I saw a stat this week that that Kirby has more national championships than wins against Saban. Now, 
obviously, you know, he he had he didn't play him last year because LSU beat him. So I would say this version, this Georgia team over the last three years, is a little different than the versions he's had before. It's more their equal. But is there something of you know mentor versus the mentee? It's obviously one of the ghosts. I think this is one of the better coaching jobs Saban has done. I mean, early on, you're like, God, is this team going to go like eight and four? I had a scouting buddy that had went through there. He's like, bro, I've been going through this program for 12, 15 years. I, I, I think they are going to struggle to get to nine wins. And he just, Milrow obviously played better. The schedule, you know, I mean, they, they took advantage of it, but they did. I mean, beat the shit out of Lane. Like, uh, they, they won that kind of tight Texas A&M game when Texas A&M was kind of still alive and playing well. And we know how talented they are. So they've just played well and they found a way to win that game. But is this a sucker's bet? You know, I see it's five and a half or is it just, you know, you can never discount a goat on his, you know, he doesn't have that much longer left. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the fourth and 30 teams were 0 of 90 on fourth and 30 or, or more over the past two seasons for that play. Auburn, for some reason, only rushed two, which I hate in that situation. And they had a quarterback spy. I mean, who cares? The quarterback runs there. Um, how does a guy get behind you if you're a DB? Like, how, how is all the DBs, you know, not – there are two, one in front and one behind everybody. How do you let anyone get behind you? Incredible, yeah. Milro does throw one of the most accurate deep balls in NCAA history. Looked Still like struggles. Favre. I mean, it was yeah. – it was. I mean, it had a little loop to it, but it was a beautiful pass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Saban's done a great job this year. If you go back earlier in the season, Milro got benched before a game when – Alabama played at South Florida and almost lost. That yeah. game was six six three in the fourth quarter against South Florida, and Bama was a laughing stock. So yeah, Milrow has really turned it around. They they made some schematic changes on offense. I don't I don't hate the bet. I make it around five ish, so I don't see much value. I did play a little under fifty five and a half. It's but it's scary because if you go back and look since two thousand five. The SEC championship has, if you just go back and look at the scores, you'll notice this right away, has gone over 13, the overs 13, 4, and 1. You get all those premier athletes on a fast track, right? You're used to, you know, you, you're now playing in a dome. There, there tends to be points, but neither of these offenses have really played a good defense all year. If you look at who Georgia's played, I mean, Georgia's schedule's been laughable. Awful. Their average schedule of, uh, opponents face from a defensive perspective, 88th. So they haven't really faced a good defense. And I, I trust both defenses more than I do each offense. Both teams are playing really slow this year, too. Uh, they, a lot of familiarity in the staff. So I don't know. I think I thought it was a little too high. Don't love anything there, but you're right. This is just with the familiarity. Last time I think Bama was a six point dog a couple years ago and they won outright in the SEC championship. So, kind of took yeah. it to him. Kind of took it to him, I remember, in the second half, right? Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, there's just, there's so much talent on the field, so much familiarity um, that if you want to take the dog here, I, I don't I don't think it's a terrible bet. Um, I, I just am pretty close to where the market is. I think it should be a, a, a good competitive game. Well, to me, the Big 12 championship is like a multiple touchdown game. Obviously, the Big Ten game, I mean, you could probably make that spread fucking 35 and people probably still take Michigan. You know, if you're listening to this on Friday, the, the Pac-12 game, I mean, by kickoff, I mean, it's hovering around nine and a half, ten 10 points. I mean, that's a, 
is a lot for a team that Washington hasn't lost. I mean, th- these are enormous spreads, right, for championship games. Do you have any uh, in the ACC games a little weird because Jordan Travis had his ankle shattered, so it's hard to even, I don't even know what to make of that. But of the other three with big spreads, any dog that you like to win outright? If you, if you were going to you know sprinkle a little, yeah, there's I guess you wouldn't even count Iowa. So it'd just be Oklahoma State or Washington. Yeah, the it's it, Oklahoma State. I I it's hard for me to see them having a chance of winning. I mean, Gundy a lot though in these spots against ranked teams and underdog, he always seems to overperform. But you can't run on Texas, arguably the best run defense in college football, and the entire Oklahoma State offense is Ollie Gordon, their star running back. The only time they've been able to throw is when he gets going and it sets up play action, but you, no one can run on Texas. Many teams have tried. No one has been able to do it, including Alabama. Uh, you, so I, And then on the other side, Oklahoma State's secondary is horrendous. Uh, yeah. So Texas, and then Texas, look, I, I, you might, I might be able to look Texas team total over 34 and a half. I think might be a good look there because they need to win. They need to win with style. You know, the committee always says it doesn't matter, but yeah, they're humans. So I think Texas wants to put up a number here. Um, there's a reason that Texas, that line opened up the 13 and a half, 14 minutes. There's been money that crossed that pretty easily. Um, yeah, the when I, I look at those other underdogs, I, I think Oregon is going to win this game. They are, they are the better team. Washington's offense also just hasn't been right. But, I mean, it's a, it's a very efficient line. I mean, it's been priced into it. There's only yeah. been two other instances where an undefeated team, undefeated top five team, has been an underdog of more than a touchdown in the conference championship over the past 30 years. It happened with Alabama and Florida back in, I want to say, 2008. And Alabama was a seven and a half point dog. They lost by, uh, 10 and then it happened Notre Dame Clemson back in the COVID year that's the only other time where the two teams actually played so Notre Dame beat Clemson in the regular season and this is when the Notre Dame was in the ACC for that year then in the ACC championship they were 11 point dogs they lost by 30 um but keep in mind Trevor Lawrence didn't play in the first meeting during the regular season so but this is an unprecedented like two top five teams you already beat them and now you're catching close to double digits on a neutral field. Um, so yeah, that, that I don't, but I don't see any value in Oregon. I do think Florida State's going to go down. Um, this is uh, just the team. Look, Florida's defense last week. Tate Rodemaker. I, I think it's like a ten point drop off from Jordan Travis to Tate Rodemaker. And I think the worst thing that happened to Florida State, obviously, besides Travis getting hurt, is. You know, Louisville losing to Kentucky last week. I think they'll come out focused here, but they had 220 total yards against Florida. Florida's defense is horrendous. They've given up 430 plus yards in four straight games. I think 40 plus every week leading up to that. Florida State broke a run late and finished with 220 yards of total offense. Uh, I trust the Louisville offense much more. Games on a neutral field. Could be a lot of rain. Uh, I think Rodemaker is going to make a couple key mistakes. And uh, I think Louisville wins that game. App State, if you're something in the group of five, I like to. Um, but yeah, I think that the team that goes that's going to go down that I feel confident the most in, in the group of five games is Florida State, which would solve all of the discourse and arguments. 
that are so meaningless because we're never going to do this again uh, on Twitter about most deserving or best teams. I know. At the end of the day, look, yes, it's most. It's a kind of a hybrid. It's most deserving, but also you want to put the best teams in. You use the resume to judge that. But if a team that loses their quarterback and they're ten points worse, we no one want like that. You can say it's a it's a committee. It's ultimately a TV show. You can say you're not in. I would not put Florida State in. The one caveat being, look, you have you have two chances. Last week you won, but you, you were out game two twenty five to two twenty four. You have one more, uh, you know, chance to prove it. If Rodemaker comes out here, looks amazing, right? Gets a pretty good Louisville defense with two potential pro corners, and he throws for, you know, three 300 yards, and Florida State wins by two touchdowns. I'm cool. Let them in. They deserve it, and their quarterback looked comp enough. But if they, if they lose, obviously they're out. But if they win like 13 10 in a monsoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. get them out. No one. I mean, we don't need to wait a month to see Georgia as a seventeen-point favorite over over the uh, the Seminoles with a backup quarterback. Totally agree. But before we dive into the NFL, you know, I'm not a I'm not some recruiting nerd. I do think this transfer portal, when it comes to the quarterbacks, is really fascinating. And I, I the the Duke quarterbacks in it. Obviously, Cam Ward at Washington State is in it. Like those type players whether they go to Ohio State, maybe they go to Florida State, whether they, you know, wherever they go next year just has huge implications, especially now with the 12-team playoff, right? I mean, there are, sometimes I see a quarterback, it's like, this is a big move. It's like, this guy was not even good this year. But there are going to be a couple, and we've seen this now multiple times, right? I mean, hell, you got Penix and and Bo Nix. And I I think Bo Nix is a good example. There's always going to be a guy that you think, ah, this guy was kind of shitty, and then he resurrects his career. But I, I think it's going to be fascinating. Riley Leonard and Cam Ward. Obviously, is, I don't know if you saw Matt Rule said yesterday the going rate's like one and a half, two million dollars for these guys. And to me, you know, if I was a booster or part of a program, like I wouldn't be cutting $400,000 checks to high school recruits. Hell, I watched the UCLA guy this year, five star, chip stolen from Oregon for a bunch of money. He's fucking terrible. It's too risky. But like you get Cam Ward, you know, you got a real player. I'd be like, I'll cut the checks for that. I listen. You can say what you want. I think Dion got humbled a little bit this year, but he is right. Like we're not going to be an ATM machine for the recruits, but the transfer portal is a different story. So to me, Riley Leonard, fascinating guy. I think I Notre Dame feels like an early leader. Uh, and Cam Ward, I, I think everyone's going to be all over him. So it's you know, Alabama. I mean, all these teams. I mean, you're talking huge money. Yeah, Riley Leonard makes a ton of sense. Just like, I mean, similar to the Sam Hartman move, almost like ACC school down on Tobacco Road, uh, kind of just being groomed and then transfers up to Notre Dame. But I agree. I mean, Dion is taking that approach. I think in the recruiting rankings, they're like 60th. They're not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then there, there's there's also the, the trickle-down effect of a team. Now, unfortunately, I still like them this weekend, but it's dicey. There's a team like SMU. That you know, they, their quarterback Preston Stone is out for the year. The crazy thing about this weekend, one of the most, the hardest uh, weekends, college champion, championship weekends, conference championship weekends that I've ever had to handicap. On Saturday, there's 16 quarterbacks that'll play. Nine of the 16 either didn't start the year as the starter or got benched at one point during the year. And wow. you're you're gonna have a guy, you know, in Florida State, a true backup who looked bad, maybe 10-point drop-off, but still a lot of uncertainty. And then SMU has, you know, a kid who was the highest recruit in program history, Preston Stone, 
four borderline five star. He broke his leg last week. He's out for the year. So now you're going to this other kid, huge unknown with Kevin Jennings. But SMU, their defense did a complete 180. It was, I mean, they were one of the worst defenses in college football last year. And if you look, and then this year they were out out of this world, top top five in success rate, yards per play allowed. You look, and it's just, you know, there's they brought in, I think, I think nine of their eleven starters were from. Are they in the Big Twelve? No, they're not, huh? No, they're they're probably going to move to the ACC. um, Yeah, (laughs) is what the move is there. But they have like four. They had like three Miami castoffs, guys that were getting time, but just not starting consistently. Um, you know, a couple Big Ten guys, and then so you could see some of these. Uh, you know, you could just it doesn't have to be a group of five team. SMU, I think, is eventually going to be the ACC. But you could see a team that does it right, just all of a sudden one unit can drastically yeah. change if you hit on all of your portal additions. So, um, it definitely and you couldn't do that with recruiting. You couldn't just drastically no. turn around and your entire defense in one season. That takes time. So. Yeah, it's a whole new world. We'll see if a team like Clemson continues to be stubborn because it's definitely holding them back. Let's go to the National Football League. The Green Bay Packers, who, listen, I, you just had to go off what you saw because the guy had never played early on in the season. I thought he looked terrible. Now, these last two weeks, the Lions' defense is awful and the Chargers' defense is an abomination, but he kind of lit them up. I mean, Thanksgiving... Before you could even blink, they had a couple touchdowns. He drove right down the field twice. He looks good. I mean, no one's ever argued, and this is the reason they took a flyer on him out of Utah State. His physical attributes were always really intriguing. Big arm, could move. And, I mean, listen, based on the last two weeks, like they should be pretty excited. He bet, puts a couple more of these together. One, they're going to win enough games. And two, like they're going to be out of drafting a quarterback. Like, he's going to be their starting quarterback next year. Is Green Bay for real right now? Do they have a lot of momentum? Was it fake? I don't know, but the Chiefs were kind of getting worked by the Raiders. Now, once a year, they tease the Raiders. <laughs> like I've, I've been watching the Raiders for a decade. They love fucking with them for a little bit, and then they just end up winning, sometimes in convincing fashion, like winning a game. They were up down 14 nothing, and then 31-3 to the rest of the game. Sometimes it's a, field, a walk-off field goal, but they always do this once a year with, uh, with the Raiders. But I don't know. They, they're... Listen, they're going to be a tough out because of the coach, because home field potentially, and their quarterback. But this team does feel a little off, right? And rightfully so. They're just not as potent on offense. There's a lot of points. This Packer team has some momentum. The game's in Kansas City, though, correct? No, Green Bay. Oh, Green Bay, yeah. So you're getting points at home. Who do you like? Yeah, I like Green Bay here. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Kansas City plays with its food every once, in a, while, once a year, as you said, with when they play the Raiders. But what they haven't done in years past with Mahomes is something that also happened last week is they go through these droughts on offense. I mean, they went, I think, four straight weeks without scoring a point in the second half, uh, which is amazing. I think that they they also are, you know, plus, I think, 75 or plus 80 scoring margin, plus 58 of that is in the final two minutes, the first half. The offense is off. Why? Receivers are very underwhelming and are dropping too many balls. They can't find the right rotation. Both tackles, the tackle spots are playing really poorly. Uh, they replace both tackles. They're both they lead the NFL in penalties. They grade out really poorly. So Mahomes is under more pressure. And the wide receivers aren't as good. So yeah, there's problems with this offense. It's just completely out of sync. You'll see flashes because Mahomes is the best quarterback on the planet. But 
you'll also see these just a court they'll go a whole half without scoring despite having yeah. the homes and green bay's defense should be healthier this week it's just a good spot too for the packers they played on thanksgiving you get extra rest extra prep here you're basically they're basically playing for their season yeah you could still make the playoffs the nfc is, is bad at the bottom and but you win this game you're right back in the mix and the chiefs you know they're coming off it's their second straight road game for you know an out-of-conference game against a Packers team that's under 500. The Chiefs have the Bills next week. A little bit of a sleepy spot, even though it's in prime time. But Jordan Love's playing his best football of the year, as you alluded to. And this offense is finally clicking. And that makes sense to me because, number one, their offensive line got healthy. They had, did a deal with a bunch of offensive line injuries during the year. But you have Jordan Love and basically like three or four rookie wide receivers. And it, so it makes sense that there was growing pains early, that they had to figure some things out. And it also makes sense once that, you know, a very young core gets confidence that they're going to be able to build on that. And then you're going to see some good results. I think that's what's happening right now. So, yeah, I just don't trust this Chiefs offense to win by margin. And if you go back to, from, to week seven, and this speaks to kind of the ascent of the Packers offense and the struggles of the Chiefs offense since week seven. If you look at all quarterbacks in the NFL and look at adjusted EPA per play, which adjusts for opponent, Jordan Love, ninth, Mahomes, 10th. Adjusted completion percentage, Mahomes, 11th, Love, 12th. And Love is averaging two more air yards per attempt, throwing it downfield more. So, uh, and I'm not trying to compare Love and Mahomes. That just speaks to the issues on the Chiefs offense right now, a lot of them drops on the offensive line, and how well, much, how much better this Packers offense is playing. So, yeah, I think there's a bit too many points. This is when you want to fade the Chiefs, um, and you know they'll probably find a way to win by a field goal. But uh, I think the Packers are live and was happy to take the six points. Well, I mean, all the Packer wide receivers, Andy would gladly take. Yes, right. Yep. I mean, all the young guys, they would, they would actually, they they would fit perfectly in that offense. He'd be throwing bombs. To Watson, uh, eleven, like he would like them all. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I like them all. I mean, they're it's, they're an intriguing young offense. If Jordan Love is going to be more than functional, yeah. Uh, okay, this game's big. And if I would have told you two months ago that you know one of the biggest games of the week is going to be Houston and Denver, you'd be like, what? And uh, obviously, Denver is just rattling off wins. Russell is not near the same what he used to be in his prime, but he is you know, much more functional as a player than he was when it looked like he was completely shot. And to me, their defense, like last week against the Browns, they were as every bit as physical, if not more. Like, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Joseph guy, and fuck, how could you be when he gives up 70 points? But they have been much better, and they don't exactly, I mean, this ain't, you know, Steve Atwater walking through the door here. Uh, Houston, to me, I, I've always said it this year, even as they've gotten like, I mean, they, they're pretty good. There's no doubt. They feel like a year away. I mean, they got a lot of picks. They're going to have more cap room. But I, I don't know. I mean, CJ Stroud, Tank Dell, stud. I mean, they, they, they are, obviously, their coach is really good. I, I, I just, they're that team to me this year that's going to end up, you know, eight and nine that was like, when they win 11 next year, you're going to be like, all those games that we didn't quite win. We win next year. I I would take the Broncos, but maybe I'm drinking too much of the Sean Payton Kool Aid right now. Yeah, I like I like Houston here. Um, look, Stroud he might have his 
full receiver room for the first time since week one. He's great. He also rips apart cover three, which we'll see a lot of when he plays Denver. And the Broncos blitz a lot and don't get pressure. They blitz at the 11th highest rate. They're getting pressure to bottom five rate. Stroud with a clean pocket this year, been the best quarterback in the NFL, and has actually handled the blitz pretty well. Still young, still inexperienced. If you can get pressure on him without needing to blitz, that's when uh, some trouble arises. But that's not something the Broncos can do. And look, the Broncos' defense is drastically improved. They made some changes. They got you know guys like Browning and Jones back healthy in the front seven. They put McMillan, stud rookie, in a slot. They removed Damari Mathis, one of the worst corners in the NFL. They took him out of the lineup, put in Fabian Moreau, just a more serviceable vet. A guy you're going to get targeted with your opposite certain. So the defense definitely has improved, but it is still a bad defense. They've won five straight. And if you dig into it a little more, I mean, three of them came by a total of five points. They have a plus 14 turnover margin over the past five games. Teams have turned it over 16 times, and they've only turned it over twice. That has driven 40% of their points. And if you remove the... And they're only average that chief, well, that Chiefs game that they won, what they had five, right? Yeah, and you're playing Mahomes with the flu. Um, even last week with the Browns, I mean, their their entire defense gets hurt. Yeah, DTR gets hurt, and but all these turnovers have allowed the Broncos to just keep playing how they play. Like they just want to hand it off, give Russ easy, like easy throws. One, if they, they're not a team that's built to be to come from behind, and if you look since week seven, that's when you know they made some of these changes on the defense and. They've improved, and they have, because they're not the historically bad unit we saw earlier in the year. But if you remove turnovers, they are 25th in EPA per play, 24th in success rate. In comparison, the Houston defense, 16th and, and 5th. So, And the Houston defense has been really good against the run. That's yeah, And Denver doesn't throw it downfield, which is where you have to attack Houston. So there's a lot of bounces that have been going Denver's way, which I think have inflated the perception on the Broncos. They've also forced 14 fumbles on the year. They've recovered 12. No other team's recovered more than nine. They've had extreme turnover luck. Uh, I think this is a good matchup. I think Houston will, especially for the offense, I think they're going to jump out to a lead. And I don't think Denver, if they're not getting turnover luck, can keep up here. For what it's worth, in week 12 or later, if underdogs on a four or more game winning streak so later in the year, have won at least four straight. Have gone 26, 47, and four against the spread. That's 35% over the past 20 years. That includes 9, 26, and one, 25% against the spread in non division matchups against teams with a winning record. Failing to cover by about double digits on average. That applies to this game. So I'm really selling high. I think it's a good matchup for decent offense. I'm selling high in the Denver luck. But that applies to this game, and it also applies to my other favorite bet, which is the 49ers. Those okay, let, trends. Yeah, let's dive into the heavyweight matchup. My, my logic is simple. I think the Eagles are just going to run out of juice. Like, they got to be exhausted, right? You go, to the, you go to the Chiefs on the road, Monday Night Football. You pull out a crazy win. Six days later, you go into overtime. Most of your defensive players are playing 70 to 90 snaps. Uh, the 49ers have kind of, since they got healthy, have had a couple easy games. They just played on Thursday night, so they get three extra days to chill. There's an element of like, 
of everything that happened last year. Once the Eagles won the Bills game, let's face it, this game is not as important, right? I mean, they got the Cowboys the next week. I think the Niners win by like 10. I agree. Uh, this Eagles team's been getting extremely lucky. You got to give them credit for the wins, but every week it's something new. They've won four straight games when, and in each, they trailed at the half. They were out game by 100 plus yards. And they, I mean, they should have lost to the Cowboys at home. You saw all those red zone failures. They should have lost to the Chiefs if they don't drop all those balls and the game winning pass. And the Chiefs, you know, don't give them an interception. I don't know what Mahomes is doing. A Kelsey fumble in the red zone. Last week, it's the officials. You know, four weeks ago, it was Washington in a back and forth game. They also could have lost Washington the first meeting. They went for two. That game went to overtime. This team's seven and one in one possession games, getting every bounce. And you said it. Not only is it a good situational spot from the fact that San Francisco had this game, San Francisco's had this game circled since last year, right when they lost that NFC Championship game and they had to play with Christian McCaffrey's quarterback. I'm assuming since that game ended, Shanahan's been working on the script for this game. So they should have an amazing script here. They've had this game circled, but the scheduling spot is amazing. I, you know, they got their Super Bowl, the Eagles got their Super Bowl revenge in Kansas City. And again, they went the full 60 minutes. Short week, come back, play Buffalo. That game goes to overtime. To exhausting efforts. They, their defense on the field for 92 snaps. Not only that, they had injuries. Uh, they won't have linebacker Cunningham. Their, a couple of their defensive linemen, including Fletcher Cox, got banged up. That means like Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, they played career highs in snaps, like 68, 70 snaps for those big guys. I, I think the Eagles are going to be out of gas here. And then you mentioned with San Francisco, extra time to prepare and rest. They're finally fully healthy. And when they have Debo and Trent Williams in the lineup, they're 8-0 with an average scoring margin of 21 points this season. And they're they've had three straight blowout wins. Like they should come in with completely fresh legs here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a really good matchup. The Eagles defense is not playing well. Uh, they have problems in the secondary. Slay and Bradbury aren't getting any younger. I, and you can attack the Eagles over the middle of the field and in the slot. They can't cover tight ends. I mean, that's a nightmare. They also play a ton of cover one, which break which Purdy just dominates some of the best numbers in NFL history for a single season this year against cover one. They can't cover slot receivers or tight ends over the middle of the field. Well, good luck with Debo and Kittle, who I think are going to have massive games here. And then on the other side of the ball, the Eagles, they might not have Lane Johnson. He says he's going to play. He usually would play in a situation like this, but it could be some rain, groin injury. Usually, you know, with your star offensive lineman, that's what happened last week. You don't want to play. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you, once you won last week and you didn't need him, if there's any question, wouldn't you just try to save them for the Cowboy game, which is much bigger? You can basically KO them, assuming we're recording this before the Cowboy game. They've won, and that game, like, all of a sudden you lose this game. That game's enormous. For yep. Yeah, and same goes for Goddard. Um, they really miss him. They basically just don't have a third guy to throw it to. They miss him on the red zone and they're on third downs. And Hurts is getting healthier, but he's, he's you can still tell he doesn't have the full burst. And when you don't have to worry about him running at full speed, the – that offense is much easier to defend. And, you know, the, the 49ers offense went fully healthy, which it is right now. You know, their Burford practice, their offensive line should be at full strength. I think it's the best offense in the NFL. And it's also a good matchup here. But not enough people are talking about the 49ers defense. And the 49ers defense, one, they've been great over the past five weeks. Why? Because, one, they added... Chase Young, which was the biggest weakest on that defense. You had no other really uh, you know, 
defensive end opposite Bosa that defense that opposing offenses had to respect. Add Chase Young in there. What does that mean? I mean, number one, you have Chase Young now there, but also Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave get much more, they get many more one-on-one matchups. So the pressures increase. We know they have the 49ers are one of the best linebacker groups in the NFL. But when the pressure goes up, obviously it helps your defensive backfield, which is also improved because they took out Isaiah Oliver, who was in the slot playing at an atrocious level. 86% reception percentage allowed, worst of any corner in the NFL. He allowed 35 catches on 40 targets. Got him out of there, moved Lenore to the slot where he's better suited with his skill set. And then they moved it and they put in Ambry Thomas outside. And then him and Ward, you know, if you go by some, you know, PFF or other, they've been top 15 corners. And in this particular matchup, I think similar to what they did against Seattle, who has like a big physical receiver and then a, you know, a shifty speedier guy with Metcalf and Lockett is you can have Ward match up with the physicality of Brown and you can have Thomas match up with the, you know, shiftier, quicker Devontae Smith. So I think it's a really good matchup for the defense. And this Eagles offense is just out of sync. The defense isn't playing that well, especially against the pass. I think Purdy should have a big day. So, and then the Eagles are just due to not get a bunch of bounces. And they're going to be exhausted, like you said. So, yeah, I love this bet. I think the 49ers went by 10 plus as well. And I also think, like, people are like, middle guy, you're just a homer. Well, the Eagles probably be my second team in the NFC. But the reality is, if the Niners win this game and the Eagles still take care of business and are the number one seed, I, I don't think the NFC, like I, I wouldn't handicap assuming they're both healthy and the Eagles have got a little rest because they get the, you know, the only buy. Do you think this line would stay the same for the NFC championship game or is more of a pick em given once we come around or does it depend how everyone looks? Yeah, it dep- I mean, the 49ers right now, like from a power rating perspective, are probably at their peak. Uh, you know, they've had, they're coming off three blowouts. Guys are healthy. Yeah, everyone's healthy. It can't get any higher. You're week 13. Right now, they're powered as the best team in the NFL by anyone uh, that's respected in the market, odds makers. And, yeah. you know, so, I mean, that's why they're, the Eagles are 10-1, and one and they're a, it's the first time yeah. in NFL history a team has been an underdog with in week 13 or later with a winning percentage of 90% plus. And if you remove – it's happened with – when teams are sitting their starters uh, in the last week. But this, I mean, this is unprecedented. So their power rating is sky high. Now the Eagles have injuries. They're not playing that well. And they're exhausted, like in this situational spot that we talked about. That's all priced into it. So, you know, you get Goddard, Johnson back. You get some guys back on defense. The offense looks better. Um, I would imagine... You'd probably see like San Fran minus one pick in the yeah. NFC Championship game. Um, yeah, maybe a pick. The Eagles look a lot better. But if I'm an Eagles fan, to tell you the truth, I would want to lose this game. Uh, you're probably going to see San Fran. You're probably going to end up getting the one seed after this gauntlet ends. I mean, Seattle's not playing well either, but after the gauntlet ends against Dallas, their schedule gets pretty easy. Good chance they win out. I think they lose this weekend, next week personally, but and then win out, finish fourteen and three. You're probably gonna get the one seed. You you want to you want the angry San Fran team lost to you twice, and just psychologically, when it 
ultimately doesn't matter. I, I don't. I think this game means a lot more for the 49ers. It definitely, it definitely does. Than it does the Eagles. And they're just not playing right well right now. They're getting every bounce, and it's a bad situational spot. And for what it's worth, teams that have a 90% plus winning percentage in week 12 or later over the past uh, 20 years, sample size of about 60 games, uh, they've gone 35% against the spread, which makes sense. In order to get to a 90% plus winning percentage in week 12 or later, you're usually probably at the peak of your market value, which isn't necessarily the case here. Um, but you but you have a teams that no you know, people don't want to fade, so there's usually value in fading them. And then in order to get to a ninety percent winning percentage in the NFL, no matter how good you are, you have to have a lot of luck. So there's also some yeah. regression that's coming, uh, and that's certainly the case with the Eagles, who have been very fortunate in a number of ways. So yeah, I love the spot. I love the situation. I love the matchup on both sides of the ball. I love the health rest advantage. Uh, you name it. Um, you just hopefully the Eagles aren't down by seven with the ball with a minute to go in the fourth quarter because they'll somehow find a way to win. But uh, it'll go for two and win it. One variable. One variable is that, and I know he played at Iowa State, so he's he's been he spent four or five years. I guess he was a four year starter, and I think he started early. So in cold, awful weather, practicing in the spring. So it's not like he's never seen weirdness. But that Cleveland game, when it was raining, it got a little weird with his grip, that being Brock Purdy. So that's, you know, it's the forecast potential rain on Sunday is definitely just something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Last year, I think against Seattle in the playoff game, it was raining early. The ball was coming out of his hand a little, just a little different. And, you know, when when conditions have been perfect, People talking shit about him are just trying to talk shit about him because he was seventh round pick. He's fucking been good. Yep. You know? But that that rain thing is definitely something that would <laughs> keep it, everyone's a little, I, I would say, nervous in 49er land with him. Because there, there's no way. I, I saw Jalen ask about this yesterday in the press conference. He's like, it is an advantage when we're playing a team that you just practice in it. They can't practice in it. So it's like, it's I don't know what the weather is right now in Santa Clara, but it ain't pouring rain. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's an astute point. Uh... I was actually going to bring that up in that if Philly has home field advantage, that's something to watch. In, For sure. I mean, although there's a ton of win in Santa Clara, but at, there's been times where Purdy and inclement weather has not looked great. There, so I, I looked into that for sure. Do you remember that from college? Um, yeah. I mean, he was at the. I, I don't remember being a a thing, but he he would he just was inconsistent at times. He was great in October. And then the weather would get worse, so I guess... And then he wasn't as yeah. good, so maybe it was weather-related. I'll have to dig into that a little bit, but um, it's not... He doesn't good. have... He, I mean, he has small hands. Yeah, he has small hands, so it's definitely a thing. So that's something to watch for if these teams play again in conditions in the playoffs. Um, with, if it's in Philly, what are the weather... Maybe conditions? he needs to wear a glove. Yeah, because it's... But I did look into it. It's There's going to be no wind. It's going to be, you know, 60 degrees... And the rain is going to be bad. So um, you could see occasional showers, but it's not going to be a downpour. It's not going to be terrible conditions. As of right now, it could change the fucking weather. Who knows? But um, it's not going to be really bad because that is something I look at because, yeah, there's been some times where I have watched Purdy in really bad conditions. And because of his hand size, you say, oh, maybe this gets iffy. I don't think it's going to be bad enough out to where 
that matters, but uh, that's, that's definitely worth pointing out. This is a good week. Hell, it starts Friday night with a big-time Pac-12 game. Adios to the Pac-12, but thanks for giving us one last fun ride this year. And uh, Saturday's a fun day, and obviously Sunday's just a massive day. Yep. I mean, there are just some playoff games. Even that, now that Green Bay's good, that, that Green Bay-Kansas City game is awfully intriguing. So, uh, Well, at least we got that because the Jags-Bengals, that was going to be good, but now it's not on Monday night. So, Oh, oh my God. We, we've gotten some curveballs with some of these primetime games. But I guess football is better than no football, so we can complain all we want, but I'd rather have a game on even if it's shitty. Yeah. Of course. But I mean, think back to July. Took, it took us the limit. Exactly. That's all you got to think. July, be, June. When you'd be nothing. begging for uh, Browning versus the Jags. Um, by the way, do you, you didn't mention this week what you your big your big Sunday bet's going to be. 49ers? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I feel the best. I, I did like Denver, but the way you kind of just convinced me, I mean, that's, that is a little – you're right. I mean, I bet when you dive into the numbers, the, the turnover stuff, I mean that, like you said, the, their biggest win of that stretch is Kansas City, and that was kind of a unique deal. Yeah, you're Sick. also you're buying them high. They've won five straight. That's not really yeah. usually when you want to buy teams. I, but I I agree. 40, 40. I'm pretty com- I'm very confident on the Niners yeah, right now. I agree. Assuming everyone's healthy. That's my you know, my favorite bet. Favorite bet of the weekend. Because because when Trent and Debo have played, they have dominated. Eight. When no, those guys were out. Three touchdown margin on average. Th- there is just a swag that comes. It's the combination of those two guys because Trent is so physical and they can do so much. Kyle loves running the ball and all the play action is based off going the other way to his right tackle side. And then Debo is just, you know, one, he's just a unique player, you know? And no just, one on, they have no just, one that can cover him or Kittle. It's a great match. Well, my, my one issue is, you know, <laughs> if this is golf or, or boxing or UFC, like you can talk shit and you can back it up. Like Debo it, hates these DBs, he thinks they're scrubs especially Bradbury. But it's like, well, what if Hassan Reddick likes Bradbury and takes it out on Colton McKibbitz? Like that's that's the only thing. Like you, don't, you can't speak for like, ultimately Burford and Brendel have to block the two Georgia defensive tackles. So yeah, like you can dominate, but can your other guys handle themselves? That's the only thing like, because the Eagles, this is an easy one. Like we beat these guys last year. Debo has given them some motivation of like not backing down from all the shit he talked. Which, again, like, I have no... Debo can say whatever he wants. He's a fucking war daddy. He's proven it in the biggest games. But some of his teammates make me a little nervous on offense. And, and it starts with the, with the right tackle. And the one thing that also makes me nervous is Kyle's scheme. You know, just a lot of just zone, play action. The Eagles are used to seeing that stuff in practice. So last year when he ran that play, they got pretty hurt. Like, it's hard to fool Reddick or Brandon Graham, or some of their edge rushers, they're, they're used to seeing, like, they're not biting on the run down the line of scrimmage and letting Purdy walk. So, to me, Purdy's got to be, especially early in the game, just careful. Because I just don't think their ends are going to bite like some of these teams that they just annihilate. And Hassan Reddick, I mean, last week when he slammed Josh Allen, that was like a old-school Lawrence Taylor-level play. Yep. And I think he's going to be coming for Purdy, try to KM. I, I just think Brock... And Kyle have to be very careful early on. Now, if they get a maybe just you kind of tap out, but I, I do think early on those defensive linemen are be coming for uh, the little quarterback from Iowa. Yeah, I think they'll have. It's a good point because that that is the one area that I'm most worried about would be just the other offensive linemen next to Williams against that Eagles front. But I mean, they might be they're exhausted. I mean, I don't think Cox is going to play. Yeah, they just tired. got banged up. They played so many snaps last week, so. 
They just might not have their line. Their linebackers are terrible, and Kyle's scheme annihilates. Yeah, linebackers. and I think right. Look, they've had this game circled, so I'm assuming, and they had extra time, so I'm assuming the script will be really good. Get a lead, and then that defense is going to wear down as the game goes on. But yeah, that would be my concern too. But assuming no flukes and the voodoo for the Eagles runs out, I think the 49ers is the best bet of the weekend. Have you seen the Steelers schedule like the next four weeks, by the I way? I think it's a joke. It's a joke, right? They get the <laughs> You're going to look up. I mean, worst case, they're going to be 10 and 5. They might be like 11 and 4. You're like, what? How is this possible? I, I picked them to be like in the AFC championship game. I don't think they're going to get there. And I never thought if they went 11-4, it would have looked like this. But it's kind of on the table when you look at who they're playing. They are they're living a, a unique football life this season. I'll give them that. Yeah, they get the Cardinals this week. Should win that game. The Patriots with who knows what, what the quarterback's going to be. The Colts. The Bengals with another backup. And then finish Steeler, uh, Seahawks, Ravens. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be right in the mix. And the funny, we'll see if their offense... Pickett finally threw over the middle of the field last week between the hashes. Their offense, I think the... the what if they're like the two seed? I mean, what if somehow they win the division? <laughs> I mean, well, if the Bills sneak the in, the Bills would be like four-point favorites on the road in the opening week. The, the Bills aren't... I mean, you watched last week with the way Josh played. They, they can't be dead. I mean, beside the Eagles, who beats them last week? The, and then like the Niners and maybe the Chiefs. You know, it's like they're beating every team in the league. That yeah, there, there's seven teams that I think... Based on everything I look at, there's only seven teams that can win the Super Bowl this year. And then there was a big drop off. Uh, and the Bills are in that mix and they might not make the playoffs. It's the Bills, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. Cowboys, Eagles. That's it. And the, the problem with the Bills is you, you have a lot of these teams ahead of them. Like, for example, the Texans and Broncos play each other this week. Yeah. They, a lot of them play the Bengals too without Burrow coming up, but the Colts and Texans play each other. There's like a bunch of free wins and they go. The Bills play the Chiefs, then the Cowboys, then the Dolphins. That's their next their schedule. Might just fuck. So up. they, they got to win at the. So, but if they get in, um, and then they sneak in as the seven, and you're the two in the AFC, you're saying, oh fuck. But the the best stat of the weekend was the Steelers finally got to 400 yards. The last time they got to 400 yards was the game before Matt Canada took over as offensive coordinator. They went like 55 games without getting to 400 yards. And then they got get 400 yards the day after he's he's the game after he's gone. Uh, just amazing. Uh, so maybe their offense will have more juice. I've never heard a team, and I get it, it's been a long time. So I and that number specifically celebrate like you would never hear a good team talk about yardage if they had 16 points. Yeah. it would never come. Hilarious. Out. I mean, never. You'd just be like, we got to score more points. Got to be better in the red zone. All we heard all week. Yeah. 422 yards. For, it's like you guys scored four, fucking 16 points. 16 points. Yep. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, hilarious. Uh, I, I'm assuming they're just tired of talking about that, but that does uh, very, very telling. Uh, I would get it excitement. if they had scored 28 points, yep. right? You'd be like, awesome. 400 plus yards, 28 points. 16 points. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Patriots. I mean, it's just, okay. Well, Suggy, uh, keep an eye on those Steelers, man. <laughs> they're coming. Uh, take it easy, bro. Absolutely. Good luck this weekend, and uh, see you next week. The Volume. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.